0: Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Hello, everyone. You are tuned to the MC Lars podcast. This is episode 89. It is Monday, May eleventh, two 2020. This week, we got Clara Business from Handjob Academy. And I wanted to say that week one of being a parent has been going well. I posted about this on Facebook and Instagram, but I'm learning that it's kind of like touring, right? You have moments of 15-minute productivity if you communicate with your partner to get stuff done. and I feel like I've been really focusing. I got a video out I did two songs, two verses. I did two Patreon songs, which are the um, Civil War and Black Panther songs. I'm dropping this collab that I've been working on for a while. It's called Revenge of the Nerds 2. We've been working on the new arrangement. That's an epic track I am dropping in a few weeks with Mega Ran, Frontalot, Beefy, Shape for Sky Blue, Whitey Cracker, Lexa Lexicon artists, and former Fat Boys. And it's kind of an updated version of Revenge of the Nerds with some quarantine uh, wisdom This week's episode is brought to you by the following Patreon Larsons. Shout out to the old ones, Andrew, Rhiannon, and Adam. Shout out to the new ones, Shauna, Kevin, and Clark. If you are an MC Lars Patreon supporter and you're supporting at the $10 a song level, you are going to get a signed drawing and three exclusive pins that are coming to your mailbox either this week or next. So check that out and uh, yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to Barbara, my mother-in-law, because we've been staying with her and her husband um, during the pandemic, and she has just been amazing. She's been helping us with laundry, cooking for us, helping sanitize bottles, taking the baby when we needed a break. Um, it's crazy. It's awesome. Being a dad is super fun. It's, my perspective changed super quick, and a week ago tomorrow, we brought him home. A week ago today, we brought him home and it's just been awesome. He's doing well. I'm sure this podcast will kind of take on a more parenting theme and I know that's like some of you who aren't parents might be bored of that, but I'm still going to keep the MC Lars, you know, flavor going, the lit hop stuff, the stuff you like. I'm just growing, diversifying. It's all good. Speaking of diversification, I had a segment on the show where the Patreon supporters could come in and tell a story about when they first discovered my music or a concert. But I've changed that up. When our son was born, I made the Google voicemail a number where people could leave a message, like a message in a bottle for Atlas that we're going to play him when he's older. So every week I'm going to play one of those messages um, in his first few months of him being here. So this is a new segment on the show called Letters to Atlas. Is he sleeping, is he, is he pooping, pooping, just checking in, How how's the, the little, little boy doing? doing? These are some messages that, that you left. left, wishing our little baby boy the best. Now it's time for Letters to Atlas. Please leave a message after the tone. Um, This message is actually for Atlas. What up, Atlas? It's Auntie E.T., a.k.a. Auntie Aaron. Um, you were just born two days ago, which is crazy to me. Today is Monday, May 4th, 2020. Um, I just wanted to thank you for being born. You're so cool already. I love you so much, just like your mom. And I just wanted to thank you. Like, you were born at such a crazy time, and you brought so much joy to so many people. And, you know, that's such a gift. And I know that you will continue to bring joy to your family and everyone who loves you for a very, very, very long time. So I can't wait to meet you, and I hope it's soon. And I hope you're adjusting to being home and thanks for being you. That's, uh, that's all of her crying in the background. Sorry about that. All right. Love you, Atlas. Talk to you soon. Bye. That was Aaron who, uh, Aaron Tonkin, who was a guest on the podcast and uh, she did the speech at our wedding. Aaron, thank you. You were the first person to call, so I appreciate that. Okay. Let's shift gears. Let's get into today's episode. Let's talk about Handjob Academy. Last week, Ash Wednesday, was on the podcast. She is my wife, the mother of my son, and she's in a group that they had this run for four or five years, kind of like the Sex Pistols. They came in and made this huge impact, and then everyone kind of went to do solo projects and worked on other stuff. But the group is not officially broken up. They just haven't put out a lot of stuff together recently. Claire Business put out a project called Font Drama with Miss Eves that is on Spotify. She did a solo video. She worked on a mixtape. She talks about all this stuff, a really fascinating, cool, wonderful friend. And um, we get into a lot of stuff about like her Filipino heritage, what it's like living in LA versus New York, um, her just her experiences with being a woman in music and how people react to that, good and bad. And so it's a really cool podcast with a wonderful writer, poet, performer, friend. And uh, yeah, so this is my interview with the incredible Clara Business- On the MC Lars Podcast. I'm here with Claire Business. Hi. Hi. How long have we known each other?
1: Since South by Southwest, twenty.
0: Fifteen. Fifteen? Five years. Is that it? That's pretty tight.
1: Feels like a lifetime and not because it's been long and dragged out, but because I feel kindred with you. Thank you for having me.
0: Um thanks for being on the podcast. I've wanted to talk to you forever because I've known you for years. You do many different things. That's right. You grew up in West Virginia. I was
1: born in New Orleans. Yeah. I lived in California, first Sacramento, then Los Angeles, and then I moved to West Virginia. 1994, it was like a reverse Beverly Hillbilly situation. Right. And then I did junior high high school, college, and then I went to New York City for 12 years and I moved to LA almost two years ago.
0: And you went to college
1: in West Virginia. West Virginia University. Let's go Mountaineers. Hey, where, <laughs> what city is that in? That's in Morgantown. So right now, for those of you on the radio, I'm making yeah. a shape with my hand. It's a middle finger up and the thumb out, and that is the shape of West Virginia. So Morgantown's up here. I'm pointing okay. at my index finger. Where I went to, high school is in Charleston, which is here in the middle of my palm. Uh, Morgantown is about 45 minutes south of Pittsburgh. D.C. is maybe like an hour that way. So it's oh. a big party school.
0: Wow. So, so it's close, to, very close to D.C.-ish.
1: I don't recall how close, but it's not far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting about West Virginia is that it's not too far from Pittsburgh, mm. but it's the south. Right. But it's pretty north.
1: So it is technically below the Mason. Part of it is below the Mason-Dixon line. Mm. Most of it is below the Mason-Dixon line on technicality. Yeah. But, you know, in 1860, June 20th, 1860, I think, West Virginia left the Confederacy because they did not believe in slavery. So oh, mm-hmm.
0: that's tight. So West
1: Virginia is the North, even though there are some people that fly the Confederate flag.
0: Right. Um. But West Virginia has... Uh, well, we don't have to keep talking about West Virginia, but it's undergone a lot of transitions, right? Because it's less coal mining, right? these days?
1: More opioids, yeah, yeah. Um, huh. the industry is there's a lot of chemical plants there. Um, but yeah, it was coal coal is still a thing, but it has changed from mining to mountaintop removal. So this is a huge concern for the environment. And there are a lot of activists in the state who are anti because basically instead of digging inside the mountain, they're taking the top of the mountain, mountaintop removal. And it, mm. it causes a lot of chemicals and nastiness to go into the water stream, turns the water bright green and orange, and it gives children cancer. It's it's a nasty business, but it's very politically divisive right now.
0: Because it's not very sustainable. Literally, is not, right? If literally not. Yeah. And
1: literally, it just does a number on the environment. You know, the e- ecology, the mountains and forests, et cetera.
0: So you've lived in a lot of places. <laughs> Where's your favorite pl- city in the U.S.? Oh, good Lord.
1: Well, I am really, I feel like I finally live in Los Angeles. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of people about this lately, but Kobe Bryant dying mm. was, I feel like that was the moment that I felt like I lived in L.A. And this is recent, like, a, you know, at press time about a month ago. Um and if you would have told me two years ago that I would have given a damn about the Lakers or the Dodgers or sports in general. Right. You know, and there's a sense of coming home because I did live in L.A. as a child. I mean, it is wild to be back in New York right now. It is electric. I, I have not exhaled since I got off the plane. It's, it's exciting. You know, so much good food. So many of my favorite people. But I don't know if I could do it anymore. Mm. And of course, I love New Orleans where I was born. It's... I definitely couldn't live there.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, New Orleans New, New Orleans is a very unique city. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you left?
1: I was only I was about to turn 5, so I don't Wow. but I feel like it is my spiritual homeland, you know? Yeah. Like I have I'm a um I have ancestors who are from there and um I just feel like my, my it's in my blood, you know? Like I don't I never looked up a recipe but I can cook gumbo. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's right. just in there. <laughs> and it's cool because In the south, it is probably the most European city you're going, or even like, you know, it has influences of Haitian culture and French culture, Spanish culture. Like, it's really, it's the south, but it's its own thing entirely.
0: It's like its own country. Almost. Have you spent
1: a lot of time there? Um, yeah, on just on
0: tour, Mm -hmm. and like, usually it's fun to have a day off and do the like see everything. I mean, it's a special yeah. place. Yeah. But I've only really explored the French Quarter. Yeah. And it's New Orleans is much bigger than that,
1: huh? Yeah, it is. But, you know, it is par- that is part of it, too. It's just like how Times Square, you know, it, it, Times Square is Times Square. Right. And even if it's cleaned up, you're still going to see that little sparkle of like what New York was in the 40s, you know, or the 30s. Like it's still, you know, and even in the 80s and 70s, like it's it is what it is. You got to see it when you're a tourist and that's just, that's valid too. You know? Right.
0: Right. And, um, also New Orleans has undergone a lot of change, right? Like, Absolutely. like, especially after Katrina.
1: Absolutely. Right. I mean, just like the, the neighborhoods that we both live in here, you know, after it is, I have not, I have not been back in a handful of years, probably since I've met you, um, so I don't know, but I, I know that it is going through the gentrification process just like Williamsburg, Brooklyn, just like Highland Park, LA, where I live. Um, it's it's doing its thing, you know? And I've heard that from my friends who are born and raised new New Orleanians. That's what's up. Yeah.
0: Um, I met you through your band, Handjob mm-hmm, Academy. Yeah. So music has music always been an important part of your life?
1: Music, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So being born in new orleans yes my father is a jazz pianist i don't know if you knew that
0: i didn't know that yeah so That's he's awesome.
1: he's kind of a self-taught like he he picked up the accordion when he was six years old and taught himself and then hey. <laughs> if you can play the accordion the piano is is not that much harder um probably easier so then he he taught himself jazz piano so i was i was raised with that my first concerts like when i was little were at jazz fest in new orleans um and then i was raised on um like 60s motown music, girl groups, like the oldies out in LA. Um and then and then I got into like uh you know, hip hop. Um and then rock and you know, whatever. I could go on all day about it. It would look like um like allmusic.com is that still a <laughs> site? Remember they used to have yeah. all the different um but I think that there was like I'm a, a violin dropout, piano dropout. Um it always kind of felt like as a teenager it felt not accessible to me. I don't know if that's because I was a girl because I lived in West Virginia, but I always wanted like a drum set in the basement and that wasn't accessible. I don't know if that was a financial thing or, um, or what, but whenever, like I was able to join bands in college and, and I started playing around with drums and guitar and, you know, and then, and hip hop on that same tip did not feel accessible to me either. Because by the time like making music felt accessible, it was rock. And I felt like I am in this box. So I didn't feel like hip hop was accessible. Does mm. that answer the question? Yeah. But <laughs> then
0: um, what made hip hop accessible?
1: Accessible? I think getting over myself. Yeah. Um, and we came about it at sort of, a, I mean, me and Handjob Academy, it was kind of an interesting time because I think if we tried to do that now, it would be problematic. Mm. <laughs> um I was really obsessed with country music right before I got sober and I could not listen to country music after I got sober. So I got really into hip hop, which I'd always been into, but I like reestablished my love for it. And I was doing the artist's way and I kept writing these little couplets little rhymes here and there. And then I just said, you know what? Screw it. Like there's a lot of different ways to do this. This is a young genre of music, but it is diverse now, and I just tried it. And it was really just getting over that fear.
0: Let me know if I got this if I have the chronology sure. right. You're putting stuff online. Uh-huh. And then Richard heard you?
1: I approached or- Richard. Oh. So, I I'd, had yeah. yeah, I had made a rap song and I connected with a friend who was like retired from rap. And we started kind of working together. And then I met Ashley and we started working together. And at that point, and then I think Uncle Max joined joined up. And then we um, we together reached out to Richard who had just, I just went online and I was like, who's, who's a good producer?
0: Did you know he was in New York?
1: I didn't, you know, I was intimidated. Yeah. Like I didn't know anything about the dude. I just knew that his beats were fire. Right. And I wrote to him and he he reminded me about this recently. I wrote to him like the most formal, like, dear sir, you know, like, like very, very like professional sounding. Right. And he thought that it was kind of funny and stiff. <laughs> and then he met you. Hey. And now we're all tight bros.
0: I always seemed like you were the driving business force behind that band and the branding and like the thing that made it happen and kept it going so long
1: i appreciate that and yeah and
0: it's a very fascinating thing because y'all aren't really together would you say you're broken up or on hiatus or how would you put it Mm,
1: i don't know Are the white stripes broken up yeah right yeah (laughs) i don't know i would have to check in with the others but i think so i'm gonna go ahead and i don't have a death certificate there's no time that it ended do you know what i mean right right but like Who's to say? I think it would be really fun to do a reunion show, you know. Yeah, that would be. Tough. But I don't think it's like certain bands that break up and then get back together the next year to make money. I don't think it's like that. But sure.
0: <laughs> um, no, that's it's this. It's interesting because I'm interviewing a- Ash. Uh-huh. And I'm gonna interview Uncle Max. Yeah. separately, and yeah. and um, getting everyone's perspective on the chronology. Yeah. And you y'all toured a lot mm-hmm. for like.
1: An independent rap group, right? That was kind of short lived. That had one album that was like seven songs. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty, you got a lot of mileage. Six songs and nine skits or something. Um, you know, it's so funny because because calling myself Clara Business, (laughs) it was kind of a joke because I always sort of self deprecatingly was like, I'm bad at business, I'm bad at money. Um, but the name actually came from it came from a, a mixture of salt and peppers none of your business okay and then like kind of after the fact it was like i feel kinship to biz Marquee as well <laughs> but it came from i used to have a website that was just taking claire of business right so it was like claire of clara business so it's tcb taking Claire of business that's right <laughs> and clara was my grandma's name so, or great grandma's um but my first rap name was woo McClanahan. <laughs> i didn't know that <laughs> woo McClanahan. But it's like if somebody's chanting for you and your name is Woo McClanahan, it's like it sounds like they're booing you. <laughs> so
0: and then Ashley was Barbara Bushwick.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I came up with that. That's right. Like, um, when I moved to to Bushwick, like in early aughts or what have you, um, I got there and it was like it was like rock or um what do you call it? Roller derby was like a thing. It still is. Right. It still is. I think Harley Quinn brought it back. But um roller derby was like it was it was that time, you know, the mid aughts, like And I got to Bushwick and I was like, Barbara Bushwick would be such a good roller derby name. Yeah. And then uh, early on, um, Chuck was like, it's reminiscent of Bushwick Bill.
0: From ah, the Ghetto Boys. Right.
1: And I was like, that's it. She's that. I was like, I could never be Barbara Bushwick, but she just like it's just so funny to like look at her. <laughs>
0: and right. Think of her as that. When you started, there was a third person who was a dude, right? Yeah, yeah, who Chuck, left.
1: Chuck Benay Ramsey. <laughs> and he
0: went solo or something? Or? He
1: did a record with uh the homie Monty. Uh they were in this group called Crazy Low Budget. You should have him on, have him talk about it. That we tight. He's a super talented dude. They're both super, super talented dudes.
0: So it's everything is good is good. Amiable and kind. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I talk to Ashley. Yeah. But like everyone is all super talented in their own way and people drift apart, you know?
0: Yeah. And I've never been in a, a project where you have to share and come together Mm -hmm. like a band. Like that's a whole dynamic. It's rough, dude. When you're all has schedules and you weren't making millions like right away. Yep.
1: Yep. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, imagine Andrew, like the, Oh, can I call you by your real name? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Imagine MC Lars, how you, (laughs) how hard it is to just do the administrative things in your own life as an independent solo artist. Yeah. Imagine trying to coordinate a business meeting with two other people who have full-time jobs who have strong personalities, you know, who have differing opinions at times, different levels of commitment to it. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. And what I'll tell you is bands can be harder than romantic relationships because a, you're not in love or sleeping together. I mean, sometimes people are right, but you know, you have created this thing together on which your ego, your finances, your artistic output yeah, your money is involved, your scheduling, your time, personal space, like, yeah, creative output, that is at stake. If you love someone and you're in a relationship with somebody, like, that can kind of overcome everything and you work on it together and you're a team in that regard. But, like, the band, it's like, it's a whole lot of other stuff, especially, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. and especially when people might have different visions.
1: Absolutely. And um, and when you have three lead singers. Right. Because if you're if you're the side man or whatever, like you're the drummer. Like and I've had that problem too. I was in a band where I was the drummer. Right. And I felt like, oh, like I don't have any creative input in this. And it was like, oh yeah, duh, you're the drummer. Like and I mean I don't identify as a drummer. I was playing drums in that band. Yeah. And then I realized at that point I was like, oh, I do need to not that I need to be the front person, but I I do need to make more than you know, feel more collaborative about it.
0: Where do you think creatively you were like a moment where it's like you both you all got together the the best and like mm-hmm. made the best stuff like was it recording or touring where do you feel like
1: you- well i've heard people say and i can absolutely stand by this and the beatles in munich can stand by this live tours are worth a thousand rehearsals yeah like live shows so like one live show is worth 10 rehearsals yeah 10 band practices 100 percent. because and somebody else said I think it was my old my old bandmate, Jessica Namsawan Kitchkull. She's from this band, Heliotropes. Um, and I was in that band, like in, again, like late aughts. And uh, she said that she loved to watch a band when they looked like they were having fun, mm. you know? And when you see them smiling at each other and like having a good time, she was like, that's one of my favorite things to see on stage. And I always kind of took that with me. And I think that... I will honestly say that I think we were better live than on recording. Mm. And that's kind of rare. And I think it's because of the energy, you know.
0: And the uniqueness. Yeah. Of, of your songs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was fun.
0: Yeah, I remember watching, I first saw y'all South by Southwest. And then the second year when you played, just seeing the... the uh how much more professional you gotten in that year?
1: Thank and tight. You. And so that was twenty six.
0: Was that the that was your last South by right?
1: I only went myself twice. Yeah, and I have the yellow backpack, which was the year I didn't go. So that was twenty seventeen. So I went oh. fifteen and sixteen. Okay. The irony is that like I think that things were most popping for us. Let's see. So uh, Shark Week came out in twenty thirteen. So that was our first like viral thing. And then that next year, I think we did the East Coast USA tour. And then we did the album. I think we put the album out after the tour. I don't remember. In 2014. Hmm. Because I don't think we had the album. I honestly don't remember. This is crazy.
0: Do you have merch? Like shirts and stuff? We or? sold
1: merch on the tour. Yeah. in In the UK. Sorry, I should say. Yeah. So we had... Yeah, we always had, I always made these DIY, I wish I had a a whole one still, but I used to make those like one sheet scenes, you know, you can like take one piece of paper, I'm sure you've done it, take one piece of paper and then fold it and then cut it a certain way so that it's a tiny little comic book. So I would hand draw, excuse me, these comic books featuring us and I did a series of three of them and then I made stickers and I put it all in a little Ziploc bag with like, you know, a thing, like it was completely DIY. Yeah. I was the one making that merch. We have... Our super talented friend, Zeba Keneally. he drew – he had this drawing. He must have posted it on Instagram, and it was a lady with three butt cheeks. And I saw it, and I was like, can I buy that design from you? Because that – I wanted an iconic punk logo, like Milo from The Descendants. Right, right. That's what I had in mind when I saw Three Cheeks. (laughs) Yeah, that is pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. And that was the sticker. I remember seeing it. Y'all had played – the uk with Weedis and then i would just be like backstage at the same venues and see the sticker amazing it's pretty tight
1: and were you with ashley at that point already
0: no well i'd met wow. her wow that weird <laughs> moment like, there she was <laughs> that's, that's pretty tight
1: um I'm ADHD as hell. So No, me too. We're both air signs. It's bouncing around everywhere. It's like Am I answering your question? No, you no, this is good.
0: I'm picking I'm picking the oral history together for cool. everyone. Ew. So so then you so then you, font drama was your project with Miss Eve. Yeah. Was that that was after before hand job me Uh or during. I
1: think Max had left around twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen was weird because Yeah, so twenty fourteen We did Lena Dunham. 2013, we had Shark Week. That entire next year, we worked on the album. We did a tour. 2014, we went on tour in Europe. We shot Lena Dunham. The Lena Dunham video blew up on Thanksgiving of 2014. So that was like Mm. a solid year of working it, of a trajectory. Because after Shark Week, people were trying to pitch us like reality shows and all this stuff. Like when you go viral, you, you have this experience. It's like people all want a piece of you. And, and Eve's definitely has this experience. It's a really surreal time. You have to keep your phone charged cause it will die, you know? And we went a fraction mm. of viral that she did, you mm. know? And, um, so 2015, Ashley was traveling a lot. I think you guys were, was that?
0: Yeah. We maybe got I'm together. thinking of
1: 16. Yeah. 2016. Cause 2016 was one of the hardest years of my life and a hard year for everybody. Um, and yeah, that 2016 was about when I think Max left and Ashley was traveling with you and, and I mean, I'm not blaming anybody, but it was just like this artistic identity that I had had for so long, kind of, it did hinge on other people yeah, and I was afraid to do it solo. And I had known Shanthony for a while and, and, uh, you know, we just, we were on a different level cause we're both a little bit older than Ash and Max. And so... I think we were both kind of in the same place in our lives a little bit more. Um, and we vibe on a different level of like old ladyhood. <laughs> Are you going to have her on? You should. Yeah, I've been yeah. trying to, when yeah. she's
0: back, I think she's in Canada. Yeah, it? she's in Montreal. Yeah, but I've been trying to get her yeah. on, yeah.
1: But w- that was a really cool project. I found that, I mean, she she's the first to admit that she's type A, AF. Um, she works so hard at so many things. Um, and I feel like Yeah. I mean, like me, she does a million different things. Um, Unlike me, she works really hard at them and focuses. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she's like one of the most talented, dedicated, hardworking people I know. And it was, it was a cool experience, but I definitely learned that she is more type A than me. Mm. And um, it's good. I don't listen to it, but it's, I I mean, I get, I make money off of it because people are listening to her Spotify and so I, I get part of the money from that because that's listed on her Spotify. That's tight. <laughs> so
0: it's listed as font drama. Font drama. Font drama. Yeah. And it, it
1: came cool. about because she was telling me, because she's a, a, a graphic designer. And so she told me some story about where the name Ms. Eves came from. Uh, and you have to ask her about it, but Eves is a font. And basically Eves was a woman who was having an affair with, I want to say Garamond it wasn't Mr. Times New Roman. I know that. Okay, right, right. <laughs> it was one of the fonts, one right. of the font guys, and anyway, it was font drama. That's tight. And when she said that to me, I was like, "That's the band name." And I was a theater major, so font. She's the font. I'm the drama. Oh, that's cool. That's a. tight. <laughs> and
0: you, so it's an EP or it is album? an EP. Yeah. What
1: is it? Four or five songs. Yeah. It's cool. I'm really proud of the the like spooky song. I think I did some really cool lyrical stuff. I think she. I think we both kind of pushed ourselves to be. That one spooky track, it's like we both went to a, a darker place. I mean, I think for me it was easy because I'm a goth, but I think she went to a darker place. Right. And the video is pretty cute. You know, it was kind of shoestring, but it, it turned out cool. Um, who produced those beats? That was Quiche. Keish oh. with two H's. K-E-I-S-H-H. I haven't heard from her in a while. I, I know she's doing like major stuff because I would see her Instagram. She was doing major things, but um yeah, she's super talented. I found her on that site, Looperman. Do you yeah, know that site? Man site. I love oh. that site. And I was like, where is a woman on Looperman? Right. <laughs> and when I found her I reached out and she and Chanthany made beautiful music together. That's site. Yeah. Um
0: and then you did a mixtape. Business was- Oh God. Right? <laughs>
1: yeah, I did. Is it did. is that still out? It's on spot uh SoundCloud. Okay. Yeah.
0: And that was your solo debut.
1: I have a handful of little solo tracks. I made one with Richard. It's so funny because, I don't know, the brand has changed slash I'm sort of, I'm not retired. I'm like Jay-Z retired. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I haven't made music in at least a year. And I'm kind of like, like I said earlier, kind of about the ego. Like, I didn't make anything really like at all for the first year I was in New York or L.A. I, I wrote one article. I did one track on a guest, like a guested did on someone's album. And I did a few nail events, you know, like basically all the things that I do. I barely did it. But I am like happier now. Right. And what I had to reconcile with myself was letting go of my ego and my identity tied into what do I do? Because like life... You know, like things change. Your field will lay fallow between things, and it's not to say that I've quit all those things, but it'll come back. I like the idea of being forty and putting out a rap album.
0: That's right. Well, that's the thing. Now there's no age limit in right. rap, right? Thankfully, as well, the genres grown, I
1: have an unheard EP called Lil <laughs> Cougar. <Coog. laughs> hey, it's all about. It was this concept album about being a nasty cougar, right? But I I started to feel weird about it. I don't know. Like the brand huh. is. Maybe I should start a Patreon and sell that to people. Secretly. It's really nasty. Some of it is very vulnerable because it was when I was here, like about to leave New York, I was super emo. And then some of it is really, really nasty. Right. I don't know. I've never put it out. Mm,
0: So you've got these treasures in the vault. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And is there unreleased HJA stuff or no?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, And I think a lot of that too. I I think the main reason things don't get released is because they're like super petty. <laughs> like I think that the unreleased HJA tracks were all talking shit on X's. Right. In a way where we're like, ugh. You That's, know? Yeah. I I know there's at least two that we did with Richard that are so good if I recall. Um, but I just don't think they could see the light of day.
0: Right. Fair enough. We all have those. <laughs> <laughs> so your family What is your family's nationality?
1: So, American, but (laughs) my mom is from the Philippines. She's an immigrant from the Philippines.
0: Did she move? Was she born in the Philippines?
1: Yeah. So, my parents met in the 70s. They were both teaching at an international school. So, my dad was teaching music and English. My mom was teaching art. So, I am one of those, like, second-generation artists or whatever. Um, And, yeah. So, the culture is very – especially now that I live in California – I'm I'm connecting to it more because I, I don't really know. Like I know my dad, he lives in Mexico and I know his family. He's, he's a white dude, an American. Um, but I don't know his family, but I know all 400 people in my mom's family. Mm, so the family is really connected. And now I work with a couple of Filipino people at my day job. And so I'm just trying to learn the language. I want to go this winter and, it's been 20 years, over 20 years since I visited there. Wow. But I spent a lot of time as a kid. And, you know, at the time you think that like if you're an immigrant kid or you're like half something and your parents are trying to teach you the language, a lot of the time the experience might be that it's not cool. Right. You know, or you're like annoyed. And so maybe you won't learn the language. Um, but now I'm I'm trying to connect to it, you know. So and I live in a very Mexican neighborhood and a lot of my friends are Mexican in L.A. And so I'm learning Spanish and it's there's a lot of crossover between the cultures. And so I don't know. It just it feels like home in that regard.
0: That's cool. Does L.A. have a like a really strong Filipino population?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it'll be like different suburbs. Like there is a historic Filipino town in downtown L.A. And you're going to have like um businesses and food but where my family lives out in West Covina there's a lot and then yeah there's there's other neighborhoods
0: um what are some filipino foods oh well can
1: I, well can i
0: ask about that sure yeah
1: so if you want to like boil it down very generally um the culture is a mixture of the indigenous people the spanish conquistadors the chinese merchants that made their way over and then 50 years of american rule So the food that you're going to get is going to be like a mixture of that. So we have paella, you know, like Mm. a Spanish food with seafood and rice on a big dish. And then you have um, a lot of pork. um, You have a lot of pancit noodles, which is like very Chinese influenced. And they have like many different styles. So it's really greasy. Um, There's a lot of meat, a lot of pork, a lot of seafood. Um, Meat is not like one main dish necessarily. It's going to be more like mixed into something. Uh, unless you have like adobo chicken or uh, lechon, which is like a big pig, which they have in Puerto Rico mm. and stuff too. Um, the desserts are my favorite. Yeah, I mean, we use spam. You know, it's definitely <laughs> yeah. carnivorous.
0: That's right. Wait, yeah. would you say adobo chicken? Yeah, what's so, I never heard of that term.
1: So that is a. I mean, you can do it with different uh, meats, but most of the time it's it's chicken. It is well, it's a Spanish word too, but they the Spanish seasoning in adobo is something different. Mm. Um, but you can buy it in those little cubes from Goya. Um, but how to describe it? It's, it's v- sort of vinegar based. It's a brown sauce. The chicken is stewed for many hours. So there's going to be bay leaf, I think soy sauce. I've never cooked it. I need to learn how. Um, but it's like a very vinegary, sometimes kind of sweet and it's just the bomb over rice you just rice and then the chicken and then you get the sauce and you pour the sauce over the rice and it's just delicious Ooh. yeah i want to make a vegan one like a so right.
0: dobo <laughs> yeah do you so have you so moving back to mm-hmm. la does it feel like you've connected more with your mom's like culture and your filipino culture
1: yeah i think so has
0: that been kind of like a nice does it feel like coming home to yourself in a way or
1: You know, when you are biracial or bicultural or mixed or what have you, you're always going to feel out of place in either place. Um, But, you know, I, for the most part, I think Pass for White, I I don't know. I I honestly am still navigating all that stuff. My sister literally wrote her college entrance exam on that, you know, and studied Uh that in undergrad and stuff. And I think coming home to it I'm always going to stand out in the Philippines. Filipino people are not going to notice me and think that I am one Mm. of them necessarily. Um, But they are charmed to learn that I am. And anymore, it's, you know, I used to get kind of offended when people online would be like, white girls, blah, 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 white girls, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's because I really felt like a white girl for a long time. And then I realized like that I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and it's like I I am white, but like I am Asian. You know, I am brown. <laughs> I'm like the lightest beigeest brown person, but I'm a brown Asian, mm, yeah. you know, and 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 it's been a long time coming to that identity, which is crazy because I'm almost 40, you know. Um and it's weird. It's weird, but I do I do benefit from many 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 white privileges. You know? Right. That's interesting.
0: It's interesting. You can admit that and talk about oh, that. Yeah. Like what's what is one you've experienced if you want oh, to yeah, go into sure. it? Sure. Yeah. Um,
1: God, I don't know. I mean, like everything like I pass for a white person. I, I'm on. It's so yeah. funny. I'm not sure because I think people of color generally look at me and see that I'm not white. And I think white people look at me and see that I'm white. And I've always seen like casting directors or something. Like I think I'm ethnically ambiguous. Some people might see that I'm brown or you know, people speak Spanish to me, people think I'm Chinese, whatever. Like um what is a white privilege? I mean, not getting followed around the store thinking like I, people don't think I'm going to the cops aren't going to harass me, just anything. Like it's all white privilege is is, is just if you have it, you might not even notice it, you know?
0: Right. That's what's so um,
1: disconcerting about it
0: because people don't know how to talk about it because right. people will be like, oh, well, I don't have it. I've never seen it. But right. you've never been pulled over for right. driving speed limits. Right. People. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like I'm. my brain's almost too fried to go into it right now. <laughs> right. No, I feel you. It's a, it's a big topic. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a good question. And um, yeah, no, it's a really good question. But, I mean, I think my whole life I have felt out of place. And I think growing up in West Virginia, I thought, oh, well, I'm a weirdo goth kid. And I think I'm just weird. And I was connecting with a friend recently from West Virginia um, who I grew up with. And we were talking and I was like, you know what? I was like a queer person of color. Like, mm. not for nothing. Like, that is a thing that will make you feel out of place. And I just kind of thought I was just weird. I had I, – I've been – I've been like closeted in a lot of ways for most of my life. Like I'm not very, I'm like very, uh, ambiguous about a lot of stuff, you know? Um, because I don't, cause I'm just me. I don't need to be like, I'm a queer person of color, you know, <laughs> but more and more I am. And it's weird because a lot of people will say, I don't think it should matter. I don't think labels should matter. And what's interesting about that is that the people who say that, are the people for whom identity might not be important because they benefit from those culture the the privileges and culture. That they have. Yeah. Right. Like I don't think labels are important and that's because it's somebody who might not be used to using someone's pronoun, um, you know, or, right. you know. and And then the other people who say I don't think labels are important are people that truly transcend. Like there are some Gen Z mofos who are like, you know, just like completely racially diverse, completely gender diverse. And like, those are the people who say that. So it's it's like the opposite ends of the spectrum are the people who don't. But for me, I need to say, you know, I'm a Filipino, bisexual, ADHD, recovering alcoholic, almost 40. Like I need to say my things because to me it helps me connect with people. And when I write an article or something, someone else will say I'm half Filipino and ADHD and bisexual. And like, I, mm. I connect with you and that's why it's important to me, you know? And like, yeah.
0: How did it feel like being painted with the nerd core or being in that scene? Did it ever feel like, I don't know, being a, being a queer person of color yeah. that it was kind of like an exclusive scene or like, or how did that feel?
1: Well, I think that nerd culture, cis, het, male mostly white, but not necessarily male, uh, nerd, nerd culture in general can be terrifying, you know? And I mean, I'm about your age. And I think that like, we were like, like at the, in the eighties, it was like revenge of the nerds. It was like, nerds were this put upon culture by jocks and chads and Beckys. And then, but if you revisit that movie, you'll see how fucking like rapey and like messed up it is. I don't even like to use the word rapey because it's infantilizing, but you know, it's, it's really, Nasty. And I think that there's a lot of toxic misogyny in nerd culture. Like, I, you know, like, like for, like the well, actually, you know, and how terrifying red it is, and right. how, how terrifying it is to be out as a female, as a feminist online. We receive death threats and rape threats and doxing. And it's just like, it's so yucky to feel scared on the internet and it's so creepy that guys who are you know angry because they feel like betas in the world want to scare other people and i think it's just because like toxic masculinity men aren't allowed to have feelings in our culture and so they become school shooters right yeah whoa (laughs) what was the question (laughs) the question was was it weird alienating or part of that nerd core Mm -hmm. that showcase in that scene right I have a lot of nerdy interests, but I would probably be considered casual by most people. Um, And yeah, I mean, I felt like I had to front load my nerdy stuff when I was playing those shows or on those bills. Um, And it's like, I, I have references to all across culture, historical scientific, you know, there's a doctor who reference. there might be a star Wars reference, but like, I just absorb pop culture and, and, and other culture. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, again, it's like, we could talk about it for hours. Um, but on the level of all the people that I worked with directly, and I did not work directly with everybody in nerdcore. Um, but the guys, you know, you, Megaran, you know, front a lot, Schaefer, the dark Lord, Schaefer, the dark Lord, AKA the best like white, cis male I mean I I don't I can't assume anything about Schaefer I know he's kind of on the he's on my wavelength on some levels but you know um, on lots of levels Um, but you know he always makes that speech um, to his fans like guys don't rape and tell your friends not to rape right and I think he's a true you know feminist ally dude you know and I think a lot of like a lot of people in that he's he's using his privilege of who he is to speak to people that will only listen to him, who won't listen right. to women right. or people of color, you know, about that because they're, they're, those opinions don't matter to them. But he, a white dude, they will listen to him. Right. And so that's what you guys should be doing.
0: Right. You know? Like speaking, not being afraid yeah. of being called snowflakes for doing yeah. that. Who cares? Speak right? up for the
1: disenfranchised, on yeah. like to the people that will listen to you without being... You know, of course, you don't want to like speak on behalf of the marginalized people, but, right? But you know, and you've always been like, I saw in one time it, there was a tweet that you made, and somebody had responded to it, and I was just like, "See, MC Lars is a real one," because I think it was during the police brutality stuff. Like, mm. there was just so much going on. It was Mike Brown, you know. It was um, God, like just all the guys. Like, it, it, there was a twenty-four hour period where like three black men were killed by police you know, in 24 hours and you said something, I don't remember what you said, but you, you made a statement or you shared a link or something. And I remember one of your fans had responded and was just like, thank you for saying this. Nobody else in this scene is saying anything. Wow. You know, I mean, I'm sure like the, the African American, you know, folks in the, in the scene were saying something. I, I I'm sh- I know for a fact they were, but, but you were the only like white guy that said anything. And I think, mm. thank you. For- no, that's sweet. <laughs> that guy. That's sweet.
0: Um, well, I think, I appreciate you saying that and i think it's really it's just very important to this we got in some deep territory but this is i think really good to talk about nerd culture is a lot about what's familiar Mm -hmm. um and i think a lot of people and that's people and the fans and stuff sometimes might be on the spectrum might be depressed might be dealing with things might not know how to relate to Mm -hmm. other people and and the music helps them Mm -hmm. feel connected Mm -hmm. and i think that using it to talk about this stuff is really important. Mm-hmm. And like I learned from you about what cisgender versus mm-hmm. transgender mm-hmm. and like having conversations with people that we can learn from right. and not being afraid of being coming off as too political, too preachy. Right. Because right. that's what music needs. Independent music has right. the privilege to right. be independent.
1: Yeah. I mean, be true to yourself too. Like, I don't think, I think that people that try to be political or, woke, if you will, to, to get the likes and the clicks and the attention in the audience. Like, I think that's disingenuous too, you know? Yeah. I mean, we are all learning here and we are all teachable. And I probably said a bunch of shit that was wrong just now, but, but like, yeah, we're learning. And, and that's the people that, you know, I mean, a lot of people aren't learning and I do feel for the people with the neurodivergent and the mentally ill, and because mm. I, I I I walk through the world with that too, and um, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to just be in the world and exist in the world, and relate to people. Yeah,
0: I know, and I think that the internet and hip hop culture and mm-hmm. these things that you and I have seen since we're roughly the same age, like mm-hmm. come up in our life, mm-hmm. has taken away barriers, has helped us communicate. Mm-hmm. I feel like for me, hip hop was such a huge learning curve for learning like how the world actually was. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. as much as I could from people's stories and public enemy and political Mm -hmm. history and Mm like music has that. And I wonder if mainstream music is Mm -hmm. as conscious as it could be. I don't know.
1: This is, this is an interesting thread. I don't, uh, I would, I would look this up. I haven't read it in a long time, but I remember a few years ago whenever Iggy Azalea was, was a thing. Right. Um, (laughs) RIP. (laughs) <laughs> whenever she was a thing and she was just saying all this head ass shit online all the time and q-tip gave her the most amazing education via twitter and it was very like you know every other sentence that comes out of my mouth is like i, I saw a tweet that's it
0: <laughs> i think i saw this i saw yeah, what you're talking you about you saw this this yeah.
1: thread where he educated her um compassionately yes yeah yes very compassionately he could have he could have not but I mean, he is just—he's one of the goats, you know. I mean, he's so talented, and he's just an OG. And he's like, but he very compassionately gave her an education about hip hop that I think a lot of people could benefit from reading, especially if you know they're the type of person who only listens to Eminem or something. You know what I mean? Like it was a really good musicology session.
0: Did you ever get this with Handjob Academy, or when you when you do your own solo stuff? People say I don't like rap, but I like you. Uh, did you ever get that comp- that backhanded compliment? I don't think
1: as much as you did, yeah, <laughs> or you do. Um, no, you know what the worst the worst backhanded compliment that we got? What? I didn't know what to expect, but that was actually good. <laughs> Yo, fuck you. That was actually good for a girl. That's lame. That's the From subtext dudes. to that. Yeah, not fresh. that's yeah no that is that's the subtext. I mean, it's like when I used to be in the rock band um and we'd be loading in with our gear and people would be like, "Oh, are you a girl band?" Are we a band? Like so patronizing. Yeah. Do you sound like Slater Kinney? And I'm like, "I wish." <laughs> 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 well, yeah, oh five five white guys in a band. Do you sound like In Sync? Like right. Come on, man. But yeah, no, I mean, I think that the world is getting better about top 10 female guitarists, like you know.
0: Right. Right.
1: Like, I don't want to be a female musician. Right. (laughs) And
0: now it's all so, I mean, fluid anyway. Hopefully people are realizing
1: that. Right. And that's good. Yeah. It's getting, you know, I'm, again, like ambiguity and stuff. Like, I love, I love being referred to with the pronouns they, them. Okay. It is not germane to my existence. And I don't, it's not on my Twitter because I don't, I don't want to like, almost like minimize the people for whom it is germane to their existence and their well being. But like I'm tickled anytime anybody uses it. And I think maybe I am inching toward it, but it's not exclusive because I'm she, you know, but, but you, they, them pronouns you, that's your pronoun. No, or? I mean, it's, I like it. Yeah. I like it. And anymore, like I like it if people use it for me, but I am she and I'm not going to, you know what I mean? And, and I don't want to, it's kind of like, I don't, if I say, Oh, I don't care. I feel like I am, minimizing it for people for whom their pronouns are they them and and if I make it like sort of laissez-faire like it's gonna it might minimize the importance for them for them um right but to circle back to the Philippines and the language yeah in Tagalog there is one pronoun sha s I think it's s-i-y-a sha and it just means he her they them so everything yeah really so there's one pronoun for every person like for 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 everybody so that's pretty cool
0: that's pretty um timeless and progressive yeah same time i mean
1: it's just the language it's just it is what it is it wasn't a thing you know
0: a place where i misstepped and i want to apologize Hmm. and when i was first hanging out with your bandmate Mm -hmm. i sent you a text being like i just want to let you know i'm gonna be nice to ashley whatever and I looked at it like I knew you're her friend. Yeah. And that I wanted to, like, just, I, I handled that badly because it's not like I was needed to ask her bandmates permission to date her. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, so I, I didn't. Have was, you
1: felt bad about this for five years? I have, no, uh, Andrew. No. <laughs> well,. If there was something to forgive you for, I would forgive you. But it's really—I thought it was very charming and sweet. And oh. you're a real mensch. And this is so cute and vulnerable. I can't believe. it. But um, no, it wasn't weird. I mean, it, it wasn't like I think maybe you're thinking—I don't know what you're thinking—but maybe that it was like some patriarchal ownership thing. Yeah, totally. And I'd, like, may I have your daughter's hand in marriage, Mister Labier? Yeah, Mister <laughs> Wednesday, may I have your to her to Ashley's bandmates? Yeah. No, but no, I thought it was sweet. Yeah. You know, it was kind and sweet and very prescient of you <laughs> to you're like, he's gonna marry her. Well, okay. <laughs> like imagine if any <laughs> No, it was very it was very sweet. And I didn't take it that way. Okay. I, I, I've I've gotten the feeling you you've like brought it up sort of. Yeah. Like, you know, like obliquely over the years, and it's like, it's fine, Andrew. <laughs> you are forgiven. Keep it moving. Um <laughs> because I, I know and
0: I know that when we met. Okay. We were spending a lot of time together, yeah. she and I. And I, yeah. Um, I don't know. I had never wanted to feel like that was a cause of breakup. Handjob Academy.
1: Fuck no, my guy. Yeah. No <laughs> way. No no no, Just, no, 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 no. 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 I mean, like I said, she was traveling, but that that wasn't about like you know we were all doing our thing. Yeah. Like I want as much as I wanted to be the Beastie Boys. I don't think Handjob Academy is going to be timeless. <laughs> Because I think if we did what we're doing now, mm, I don't know. You know? I don't know.
0: Would people see it as parody, maybe?
1: People saw it as parody then, you know? Um, And that's a bummer, because I really thought, I just have punchlines. So does Danny Brown. You know? And, like, a couple of people were like, you're, like, Das Racist. But a lot of people thought Das Racist was really, really serious. Mm. And it's like, we are... They're funny, too. And I I don't know. I kind of felt like... I felt like we're kind of doing a similar thing, you yeah. know. But people thought we were a parody. Maybe the videos were too fun or something. Yeah.
0: You that was that was what was so dope that you had so many great videos. Yeah. And so much um so many great concepts yeah. and punchlines. Like, I always think of your line smash the patriarchy, iPhone screen, right? That was your line, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought that was the first yeah. time I heard that phrase, smash the patriarchy. I was like, that's ill.
1: iPhone screen. Gra- you know what? It's so crazy. It's like Drake, it's like-,
0: like you did the colon. Yeah, semicolon. you know, that was the
1: thing I learned from Lil Wayne, actually. Okay. Yeah, because Lil Wayne, okay, the Carter 3, right? Carter 3? Yeah, came out in 2008. Right. And I listened to it like every single day. like and Lollipop and yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. I just was like, well, and I knew about Lil Wayne, you know? That's the homie from New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> and um, I just, but I listened to the, like his mind. He's a Libra. All good rappers.
0: Wait, are you Libra too? No, I know
1: you are. Yeah. I'm a Gemini like Ash. Right, right, right. Yeah, but there's so many dope rappers that are Geminis.
0: That's true. Right,
1: <laughs> I feel like Biggie and Biggie's on the cusp maybe. May twenty first is the worst day. Yeah, oh, yeah, (laughs) um, Biggie, and then and then Tupac, and wait, is E forty a Gemini? E forty, I believe. Where we met E forty. Kendrick is yes, we did. Yeah, there's a bunch of dope ones. Um, Waka Flocka. Ah. (laughs) Oh. but yeah, yeah, Kendrick. Who else? I don't know. But there's there's several where it's kind of weird. Oh, Andre three thousand, of course. That's tight. Yeah, um, yeah, dude. This is awesome.
0: This it's, it's cool to talk about all this flavor, I know. all this history. A flavor.
1: <laughs> um,
0: what? So okay, I had Brendan on from Weedis. Oh, nice. And he told me a story how y'all randomly met on a yeah. subway. Is yeah. that true? Yes. So tell that story, yes. your version of it.
1: Okay. <laughs> so I something was going on about House of Vans.
0: Oh, you had any shows there? Maybe.
1: Oh no! I think I was. I might have been on the subway. And I ran into Chuck. God, what's his last name? Chuck, who works at House of Vans. Oh, okay. He's got a little dog named Norman. Chuck, I'm sorry. I can't remember your name. Um, anyway, I ran into this cat who was like front of house dude, sound dude. He was the dude at House of Vans. And we were playing a show. And I think I was chatting with him about it. And my God, I can't remember. And, and then he got out. And I said goodbye to him. And Brendan was like, oh vans blah 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 and then he goes and you know he was just like what do you do and i was like who is this weirdo (laughs) talking to me you know because i was like in new york mode and whatever um and you didn't recognize him obviously no i didn't but i yeah I'm, i'm in my own world and whatever right and um and he was like even though i totally knew his band i totally knew his songs and stuff um and i said oh yeah i'm a rapper you know i do this thing and he's like Oh, I'm friends with all these these nerdcore guys, and I was like, "Who?" You're like, get away
0: from me! He,
1: <laughs> no. And he he dropped your name, and he dropped he dropped Frontalot's name. That's funny. And then we kind of bro down, you know, like that was that's
0: cool. You were yeah. in a mind state to have a music conversation.
1: You know, I don't know what it was like. It's just New York. You know, people just start talking to you, and everything's connected. Yeah, I think it's a really, really, really small world, and people that are doing things within a scene. What I liked about living here was that I was just I was just connected to a lot of people. I was a guy away from a guy. Like anything you needed, I knew somebody who did that, or I knew somebody who knew somebody who did that. Right. You know what I mean? That's tight. Yeah. And
0: part of you talked earlier about being sober. Can
1: mm-hmm.
0: we talk about that?
1: Yeah, let's talk about it. So it's such a good podcast topic.
0: It's a Yeah, right. <laughs> just a big New York network of people sure. who don't yeah. drink or do stuff. And that's tight, right? So like, tight. <laughs> how is, without speaking specifically, sure. are the communities on New York and LA different?
1: Well, to tell on myself, I don't think I participate as much in the community in LA as I do out here. I think, you know, I don't have a car out there. Um, I don't, like, I don't think I connect as much, but also since it's been almost 11 years, I feel like, it's not that I'm cured. <laughs>
0: 11 years, wow. Yeah. it's amazing. But I
1: feel like I don't, I'm not leaning on the community as much. And I think LA, a lot of people would say it's hard to make friends. It's very isolated out there. And I was like, I'm fine. I make friends everywhere. And it's like, they're right. Mm. It is. It is hard. And if you have a friend who lives in West Hollywood, like that's a that's a long distance friendship if you live in the East Side or something. Um, so how are they different? People in LA, a lot of people are quote, Cali sober, which means they smoke weed. A lot of people smoke weed and go to twelve step meetings and you know, um, and and they're doing their thing. It's like if you want to quit drinking, quit drinking. That's cool. Yeah. I personally would not consider myself sober if I smoked weed. Um, but you know, I don't know. I, there's no wrong way to do it. And if smoking weed is keeping you off heroin, go for it. Right, right. I'm not here to judge you. But I'm not. I don't think I would consider them sober. But it's not up to me what. You know, it's only up to you what you consider. So that's definitely it's not different. hurting me
0: between the coasts. Like, I don't think you people in New York are considered sober. And
1: it's just not a weed culture out here. It's not totally legal. You know, it's, it's just not permeating the way it is in California.
0: So here's a, there's, this might be a controversial question. Mm Do you think the legalization of weed has been good for California or not?
1: I couldn't tell you what it was like before. Okay. Um, I can't speak to like the political or the economic impacts of it. I think it's great. That it's legal. Yeah. I think that it's great that it's legal. And since I don't partake, I'm not super clued into it. But it's so funny because, like, all the weird little cultural stuff that actual stoners find annoying, I am tickled by. Like, I love Cheech and Chong. (laughs) I love that poster with the alien that's like, take me to your dealer. Like, I think 420 is so hilarious. I want to support people that are in that industry. Right. You know, as long as it's ethical or whatever. You know, even... Even people that are doing it, like, illegally, it's like, it's not hurting anybody. Like, why mm-hmm. is alcohol legal? You know, you don't smoke weed and beat your wife or wreck your car, you know? So. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I think, and and I think the rest of the
0: country's catching on. Yeah. Um, Bernie. Is it legal? Bernie, that's right. <laughs> is it legal? I, I'm going to, I'm guessing it's not in West Virginia.
1: It, I No, I don't believe so. Is it's it, been a long time since I've been in West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um... Not even medicinally or anything. Is it like, what, it's like half the country is now legal? I don't rightly really know. This, the
0: internet would know.
1: Well, Colorado, right? Washington <laughs> State?
0: Massachusetts.
1: Massachusetts. That makes sense. California. Um, Where's Ben and Alaska? Jim? Alaska. Oh, word. Yeah. All the, all the, yeah. yeah. The You've been to food. Alaska, right? Yeah, Alaska's great. Yeah. Have you been? I'm dying to go. It's
0: great. Yeah, I need to go. Um, I've been to Anchorage a lot and then Homer once. Nice. You played there? Yeah. Cool. And um,
1: Didn't you guys go on a cruise or was that her on
0: her own i think it was just
1: ash
0: oh, cool i I always wanted to do that Sunday. i want to go wanna but go. alaskan people are very um friendly yeah and so beautiful yeah and the sun doesn't set in the summer oh, hell yeah so that's pretty exciting <laughs> um and i want to go to the north slope which is like oh, cool. the top obviously and yeah they have a town up there the old name of its barrow they changed mm, it okay but um yeah, it's always been a dream to do a, like a workshop yeah, in a school there. That would be so cool with a lot of like native yeah. kids
1: and. Know. Let me ask you this. Yeah, you're Scandinavian, right? Yeah. What's your DNA test? Oh, Norwegian. That's no. a good question. Yeah. No one's ever asked me that. Yeah. Um, Danish, uh-huh,
0: mixed with, um, British. Okay. And then my my dad's side came. To from Denmark to New Zealand. Okay, and then his dad came to Australia. Australia, then he yeah. Came, and then my mom's family's all Swedish and oh,
1: English. Oh, cool. So. Okay, so Swedish and Danish are your. Do you yeah. feel? Because I I find I'm so fascinated by those cultures. Did you see Midsummer?
0: Mi- I haven't. I Ooh. want to. I watched the one with. Um, hereditary. Her, yeah, no, hereditary. it's the same yeah. director, right? Yeah, yeah That's, I haven't
1: seen that one. Okay, well, okay.
0: I don't. Remember. No, no I yeah,
1: I don't know if I will honestly. Midsummer was rough, but. I'm very fascinated by Scandinavian culture. And do you watch Workaholics? I have. Okay. Uh, what's his name? Durs. <laughs> Anders. I love it because he is a white rapper who's super Scandinavian. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I need to, yeah. I not Yeah, oh. like he does the wizard rap thing, but I, I love that character. I love that whole show because the guys, like you can tell that they're really drawing from their actual selves. Right. Like their characters' names are the same as their names, except they change the last name by like a couple letters or right. something, like Blake Henderson, Blake Anderson. Um Anyway, yeah, I just, I, I'm always tickled when I see it. It's not that it reminds you me of you, but it's just like, it's a weird coincidence.
0: Um, well, the thing, yeah, that's why I picked the stage name Lars, because mm-hmm. I thought it'd be funny to play up that juxtaposition. Yeah, And it's like that thing, you were saying, oh, I didn't expect this to be good. Yeah. <laughs> if you see MC Lars, you think that's going to be the worst thing yeah. ever.
1: Yeah, like Lederhosen? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah. it's, inter- it's an interesting
0: thing, because my mom is really into genealogy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and just to be real, like mm-hmm. celebrating
1: yeah.
0: European heritage right. and stuff. It feels, Vikings, yeah. People aren't trying to hear or talk about it. Yeah, like I used yeah. to like. Well, I had a song straight out of Stockholm on the, <laughs> my first EP, yeah. stuff like that. And,
1: yeah,
0: um Yeah, I'm not. I, I, I'm not so in, interested in my yeah. my racial background, but I'm right. really I'm really interested in the New Zealand Australia mm-hmm. part of our family history, right. and right. that's always interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah. I that's mean, it's up. your family history. And people always clown on like white people are like, and I'm part Ukrainian and I'm part Irish and I'm part. And it's like, that's part a bummer. German. I'll tell you what I am. Yeah. And I'm hype about it, though. <laughs> 38% indigenous Filipino, 6% Chinese. That's what's up. You know what I'm saying? And then like um, and then 12.5% Ashkenazi Jew, which wow. was like a new one. I was really excited. From about your dad's that one. side. Mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. I thought I was just French and whatever. And then the rest of it is. Is. Like so, that's the spicy part, and then the rest is, you know, I think that there's like Italian, Portuguese, Spanish yeah. on the Filipino side, you know, and then on my mom's side, and then I think the rest is just hillbilly white people.
0: Um, so we just got a really great note from my wonderful wife and your bandmate. Yeah, do you want to read this on the air? Chocolate
1: lava cake ready. Oh, I guess that's a wrap,
0: huh? <laughs> um, what was it? I was gonna say, yeah. Do you, would you ever? Being twelve percent Jewish, like yeah. celebrate Hanukkah or anything like that, do you feel connected to that? So twelve percent
1: is one eighth. That yeah. means I got one night of Hanukkah. Okay, <laughs>
0: Christmas Eve or <laughs> right. the after Christmas,
1: you're right. <laughs> the eighteenth or whatever. Um, it's on my dad's side, so even on a technicality, I'm not. But right. it's crazy because I learned that around the time that I had been in new york for 10 years and i was like this is my gift now i'm a jew you know and i just i always had these dreams these like past life dreams about being in the holocaust and about being like i just always had this connection to russian like russia really the literature and the like like again you know like i said i can cook gumbo without a recipe i can cook borscht without a recipe borscht without a recipe (laughs) but yeah it's just i think that these things are in your blood and um to speak on the topic of genealogy, it's funny, yeah. one of my most favorite podcasts I was telling you about the other day, Ologies with right. Ali Ward, uh, she had a guest recently about genealogy, and he was a, an African American guy. And I always kind of thought genealogy was for white dudes, you know, because my father's really into it. He can trace us back to Charlemagne you know jeez i know that's tight. isn't that tight yeah. <laughs> that's tight and i met a friend um my friend kate she's this badass economist uh she's just like super punk covered in tattoos like badass like like awesome awesome lady and she and i were talking and she said well part of my family founded mobile alabama and i said part of my family founded mobile alabama and i busted out the book and i found a paragraph that had her family name and my family name and we were unfortunately fighting the Indians. Um
0: <laughs> together.
1: But you know.
0: Wow. Yeah. So your great 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 grandpa or something knew her.
1: Like many, many greats, like sixteen hundreds or something. That's crazy. Yeah. Um but one of those dudes was half Indian too.
0: Where do you want where do you like recommend people follow you online?
1: Yeah, you know I'm I'm kind of taking a break from Twitter which is so good for my serenity. You had like a huge viral tweet. Oh good lord, it'll ruin your life. You got to be careful what you wish yeah. for. <laughs> but it was it was cool. I mean, you can see it on my pinned tweets. It's C L A R A B I Z N A S. Clara Business. It's in the show notes. Um so I'm I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Those are the main ones. If you really want to go digging for my music, it's on you know, it's on Spotify, it's on SoundCloud with Handjob Academy and solo.
0: I want to end with a song of yours. Oh my goodness. I (laughs) didn't ask you before, but is there Uh anything that comes to mind that like you're particularly proud of we could drop at the end here?
1: Um, some of the, you know, it's so weird. I I feel like I haven't even listened to myself. Like, you know, you make a song and you listen to it obsessively. I don't know about you, but I listen to it obsessively during the mixing and right right before I drop it and then I never listen to it again.
0: Okay. Art Burner. (laughs)
1: Golly, which one were you gonna play?
0: <laughs> I don't know because I didn't know if you wanted yeah. font drum or solo or HJ. I mean,
1: I'm like, what have what what I even put out? I was like, like, I'm yeah. so wack. I love that one. Play that one. Yeah,
0: okay. Because I was That's talking about
1: Lord Byron. I really, yeah. I feel like you were, you might have been on my mind. Did I know you then? No, I probably didn't then. But
0: I like that lyric. I
1: was, you were on my mind before I knew you. Hey, I learned how to rap from the poetry stacks. White shame on the track, Lord Byron swag. Is that the lyric? Yes,
0: what's up? That's a good line.
1: Lord Byron, what a fucking metal, fucking gnarly dude, dude. Yeah. And um, we'll talk about literature next time. Okay, that'll be for part yeah, two. Yeah.
0: Lord Byron swag. Okay, well this is <laughs> I'm so swag, H-A-A, with little freckles. Yeah, little frecks. Yeah, little frecks.
1: Yeah, she's awesome. That's what's up. Yeah. Um,
0: Claire, business. Thanks for being on the show.
1: MC Lars, thank you for having me. This is so joyful.
0: This is joyful. This yeah. and we did, wow. Guess how long. Guess how long the podcast is without looking.
1: One hour, three minutes.
0: One hour, five minutes. What? How did
1: you guess? I don't know. I don't know.
0: We went long, but we went on some good topics. You can edit it. Nah, nah. Ah. Maybe maybe a little <laughs> bit. All <right>. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> okay.
1: Okay. Uh. Rapping like I got a hundred girls. Divide by zero. a no nope Tree stacks, Wait, shame on the track. Lord Byron swag throughout your back when I'm sitting on your lap. I'm with Ash, Quebecois, so you know we in the trap. Literally, I'm talking beaver. Uncle Meg is the receiver. Lil frags come through with a goal like retriever. My kale longer than the fucking Appalachian Trail. When you're looking at a map, oh, that's not big. bitch, I'm whack. I was whack in second grade. I was whacking middle school. I owned that. I stayed whack all the way through high school. That was back in the day. Now I'm pretty fucking cool. Hold up, hold my hoops. I got. Flip flop in a princess hat Bitch, if you didn't steal my phone then tell me where the fuck's it at Smoke so much pot, let the kettle call me black I let him hit it from the back and he never hit me back Cause I'm so whack And my money's so short that my Barbies can't climb it Your dick's so short that my hands can't find it It's hiding and all this night quill is fogging up my eyelids I might just take a little nap Wake up, yeah, yeah, still whack I'm I'm so whack. 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 I'm so whack.
0: That's like one of my favorite rap songs ever made. Um, I'm glad that. Clara Business wanted me to drop that at the end. Thank you. Be sure to check out her music and her social media and let's keep it moving. It's time for the The MC Lars Lars Patreon Martian of the of the week. This week we have Joseph in Arkansas calling with a show memory. MC Lars, this is Joseph from Arkansas. I first saw you in 2014 when you were touring with MC Chris and Dr. Awkward. Man, you rocked that show. Uh, lately, you uh, just went on the Friend of Lorien tour. Saw you down in Dallas. Brought my wife and my buddy with me. We, you rocked that show, You and STD uh, and Dead Words. Totally awesome show. Keep up the good work. Love your work, buddy. Yeah. Sure. Thank you, G. I sent you a shirt and some other goodies. I appreciate you, Joseph. Tune in next week. I'm going to talk to the third and final member of Handjob Academy, Maximus Scaff and it's going to be tight. We'll see you then, and uh, thank you, everyone, and yeah, everything's going well here. I appreciate y'all, and Claire, thanks for being on the podcast. Bye, everyone.